You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. Regulation and reimbursement have become interwoven in the treatment of diabetes. How does the state of regulatory and economic pressures affect how we treat our patients with diabetes? Joining us to discuss regulation and reimbursement is Editor-in-Chief of Diabetes Close-Up and Diatribe in San Francisco, California, Kelly Close. Kelly, welcome to Reach MD. Thank you so much, Steve. Well, I'm excited to have you because you started this incredible organization that really uh, keeps professionals and patients up to date on all the advances in diabetes research and regulation. So I don't want to tell your story. You tell us your story about how Close Concerns came about. Oh, well, thanks so much, Steve. You know, so we're a healthcare information firm focused exclusively on diabetes and obesity. I've had type 1 diabetes since I was a teenager, and I worked on Wall Street for a bunch of years helping write about the companies that were developing products for people with diabetes. And then one day I just really thought, you know, I want to do this 24-7. I don't want to just look at all kinds of medical technology. I just want to look at diabetes and obesity. Um, So really our mission is to improve patient outcomes by getting the best information on research and products to whoever needs it. So that's companies, doctors, educators, patients. Just in a nutshell, we stay up on the latest research and therapies so people don't have to. We kind of cut through the clutter for people. Yeah, and, I, I, and I, I've told you this before, but I've been to medical meetings where um, I'm in a hotel across the street from the meeting and I'm reading your, your email <laughs> about the meeting. I'm serious. Well, let's jump into our topic. Uh, you know, we, we certainly are in interesting times. What are, what are your main concerns about the state of regulation as it relates to diabetes management? The FDA is incredibly risk-averse right now. Um, we see this here in the U.S. We see this, um, and this is happening globally as well. You know, since we've started talking today, about 17 people have been diagnosed with diabetes. There just aren't enough good therapies for people. You know, metformin and diet and lifestyle are an excellent place to start. Um, but not everyone can manage their diabetes on, these, on, on this therapy. And so, you know, I think the problem is diabetes advances and there aren't enough innovative therapies for people to take. They're also too expensive. And what else is happening is that truly innovative therapies are being developed, but they're not being approved. Um, I think a a major problem is with the system as well. You know, about 70% of people with diabetes are seeing primary care doctors who are under a lot of pressure under the system to just see people for 5, 10, 15 minutes at a time. So they need better therapies. We need more alternatives. We're really going to bankrupt the healthcare system if we don't have simpler, easier to use, more efficacious therapies. Well, let's get more specific. You know, how is regulation and the FDA affecting the way primary care physicians and RNCDEs in terms of treating and approaching their patients? Well, I I think right now we're at a really difficult point because innovation is being delayed. You know, we really believe that indirectly this is a deterrent for doctors and nurses to even go into diabetes and even into primary care. You know, we, because primary care doctors know that a lot of the the problem that they have is treating people with diabetes and they don't have the right tools. So 
you know, we just surveyed over 100 educators at the American um, Association of Diabetes Educators meeting last week in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. 45% of them said they would not encourage a young nurse to go into diabetes care today because the infrastructure makes it so difficult. And this is at a time when this is the biggest public health problem that we face in the country. We interviewed over 500 medical school students in 2007, and only three of those, Steve, not 3%, but only three of them said they wanted to go work in diabetes because partly because of the reimbursement, but also because it's just hard to help patients. They don't have the best tools to do it, and they are in a system where they're expected to, to, fix, to fix patients uh, in, in much less time than they're reimbursed for. So it's, 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 we see it as quite unfair system, and we don't see good incentives um, for doctors to go into it, to stay in it. Um, you know, this was similar um, in a survey that we did with medical residents last year. This was internal medicine residents. So already people we know want to go in and help people, and for sure they see this as a major public health problem that they want to help address, but only a small percentage plan to go into diabetes because it is so hard to help people. Again, they don't have the tools, they're not reimbursed well, and, um, and they're really not given the incentives. You know, we found that in in 2009, according to the National Resident Matching Program, 18% of endocrinology spots are unfilled. You know, that compared to 4% in cardiology. We also know there are similar numbers, um, you know, showing that that young doctors are not going into primary care. We really need to act to address this major problem. These uh, pushbacks from the FDA being so risk adverse. What's that doing to early trial phase development in new drugs? It is really discouraging. There is a lot less investor appetite today for putting money into diabetes. And, you know, however anti industry people are, I mean, this is companies need funding to develop therapies and new technologies. Even though there are clearly, you know, 1.6 million more people every year with diabetes in the U.S. alone who need help, and all of those patients are staying older longer, so we need more help. We need more innovation. This is really hard from a regulatory perspective. I think that investors look at it also as there's just a lot more uncertainty. And so when there's uncertainty, they would rather go elsewhere. And without investment funds, the companies will be nowhere. Well, if you're just joining us, uh, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Steve Edelman, and I am speaking with Kelly Close. We are discussing the important topic of regulation and reimbursement. Well, let's uh, let's shift to reimbursement. Oh, my gosh, is that an issue? I mean, uh, you, you get a bunch of primary care doctors listening on the phone in a room. You start talking about that. It, you're going to see fireworks. We're in a system where, you know, medical specialists are reimbursed very well for procedures. Meanwhile, you know, diabetes and obesity are continue to expand at an unbelievable clip, but doctors are not compensated well for promoting early aggressive care of patients, right? And so we see this in a myriad of ways, Steve, you know, um, doctors are, especially primary care doctors, are encouraged to fix everything, to to see patients for 10 or 15 minutes. That can't even get started. You can maybe go through cholesterol and blood pressure. You can't even get to diabetes. And, and we know that diabetes is a progressive disease, so needs for different medicines will change. This doesn't give enough time to doctors. The doctors also, don't, also are at a real challenge for keeping up with all of the information. So it's very discouraging for them. Doctors and educators also are not really 
reimbursed um, for the most part for phone calls, for emails. The world is changing. You know, the way that you can help patients with technology should be one of the saving graces to teaching patients, but I, I sense that insurance companies are far too slow on this front. We also hear a lot from Congress about how devastating it is, how much we're spending as a nation on therapies and technologies. You know, this is, you know, less than 20% of our spending on diabetes is actually therapies and technologies. It's mostly late stage procedures, complications, things like that. So we would really like to see it turned around and see time, see, see doctors and nurses much better reimbursed for education early on, diet, exercise, giving people incentives for that, um, giving people incentives to buy fruits and vegetables instead of corn syrup, you know, all, all, all the way through the system. There are many improvements that should be done on the reimbursement front and on the economic front more broadly speaking. Yeah, and, and for sure when they when we talk about health care reform, I mean, all of that has taken into account. I mean, taking care of someone with type 2 diabetes with multiple medical problems should be reimbursed at a different rate than someone who's 20 years old and healthy with no medical Absolutely. problems. Absolutely. The, well, what can we do as healthcare professionals to change this mode of reimbursement? We we at Close Concerns wrote um, wrote a white paper recently on just problems with diabetes infrastructure that's available on our website on diatribe.us. We tried to isolate some of the problems and to say, you know, I think maybe, and you know, you and I have 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 tried before um, to get attention at regulatory levels and so forth. I'm actually wondering about going to Congress. You know, according to the statistics in Congress alone, there must be over 25. 30 people with type 2 diabetes, I don't know who they are. You know, are they in the closet? You know, we need to, to make it a much, much more visible fight um, to get earlier, more aggressive care for patients so that we don't continue to pay billions of dollars every year on unnecessary complications. You know, in our paper, we worked with the Lewin Group um, in, in D.C., a very credible group who has documented, um, you know, spending on complications. They calculated that over $40 billion in the U.S. was spent last year on diabetes complications and that that number will increase to over $70 billion by 2020 if, you know, obesity continues at its current pace. So, you know, let's, let's, let's change things, right? Let's, let's get, some, let's get some, some help in Congress so that people can really see, look, this is a massive group. They need to help 20 million people in the country with diabetes. They need to help 57 million people who are at risk of getting diabetes, who have pre-diabetes. I think that we need to go straight to Congress, and this is very, very difficult, um, but there's got to be a way to gather momentum, Steve, and I, 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 I thank you for all of the work that you have done, and I know that together this has got to be something that can be addressed, or the patients and the healthcare providers will be in very sorry shape, as will the taxpayer. People just don't realize that diabetes, not only is it preventable disease, but the complications are preventable. And even if people have complications, you could uh, prevent them from becoming end stage where they are very expensive, like amputations and heart attacks. And a little bit of prevention goes a long way. Well, in our last couple seconds, what's your hot ideas on how health reform should go? Well, I think we need to be much more aggressive about promoting early care 
for people about promoting education. And Steve, you're the educator of the year this year by uh, named by ADA. You're in a fantastic position. I think you have done so much to help educate the country. We need to make sure that diabetes is not viewed as a character flaw. We need to improve the infrastructure, pay doctors to spend the appropriate time with patients, pay educators, have reimbursement codes for patients being diagnosed, patients going on orals, patients going on incretins, patients going on insulin, on pumps, on technology, on CGM, give incentives to patients, subsidize fruits and vegetables. Right now, all of these new therapies and technologies that have any complexity, they're many losers for practices and for endocrinologists, for diabetologists, for primary care doctors. That is wrong. Industry has to keep innovating, has to work specifically on easier-to-use drugs and technology, and they need to lobby for healthcare providers to be compensated fairly. Well, I'd like to thank our guest, Editor-in-Chief of Diabetes Close-Up in San Francisco, California, my good friend and colleague, Kelly Close. Kelly, thanks so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. I wish we had more time. Steve, it was an honor. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. Daddy, what are you reading? I'm reading about something called GLP-1. Is it a robot? No. (laughs) GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism. Its multiple actions are critical to glucose control. Huh? Uh, Okay. Well, GLP-1 works in a glucose-dependent manner. It stimulates the beta cells in your pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibit the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. It also helps regulate food ingestion by slowing gastric emptying in your stomach here (laughs) and making you feel full. Like at Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, I don't get it. Is it important? Well, GLP-1 is important because it impacts the multiple systems affected by diabetes. It also plays a significant role in protecting beta cells, a key to slowing diabetes progression. Unfortunately, many people with type 2 diabetes have impaired GLP-1 secretion and impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. Like Grandpa? Yes. And like many of my type 2 diabetes patients. That's why I want to make sure I'm looking at the whole picture in diabetes. Sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. It's important to look at weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction. Impaired GLP-1 physiology is also a part of the problem, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. So, the GLP-1 robot will help you see the whole picture. (laughs) Yes, I guess, in a way, it will. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about GLP-1 and the role it plays in diabetes, please visit novomedlink.com slash DIA.